truly sentenced to death an innocent man and died the death of a criminal even though he was innocent. This is a true account. It's a true story. It's something that you can find in history books. It names leaders. It names times and places that are accurate. They are real. It is not a fake story. It was not something that somebody fabricated and made up. It is not something that somebody changed old documents and papers in books that we have in our Bibles that are not true today. The Scripture is true. It is real. Jesus Christ walked this earth. He was an innocent man. He was the Son of God who lived out a sinless life and healed the sick. He raised the dead and He went to the cross for your sin and my sin. And not only that, but He rose again on the third day. I want to talk to you a little bit about a broken body and a borrowed tomb. We require both of these things for our salvation today. We require both a broken body in Jesus Christ and an empty tomb with a risen Savior. You and I are here today, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I I sent Pastor Zach, I don't know if you know this, I'm a little bit facetious sometimes, and if you don't know what facetious means, you can look it up. Uh, My flight got delayed last night, and uh, April and I walked into our house at 1.35 this morning. And uh, some of you are gasping like, oh, how are you doing this? Listen, I do that a lot. Saturday, Saturday night, sometimes I can't fall asleep until 1.32 o'clock. I'm thinking about Sunday and my mind's going and I can't shut down. I get up at 5. And sometimes that's why I say some of the goofy things I say. You know, when you're tired and you're just kind of slap happy, that's me every Sunday morning. So anyway, I, I'm, I'm sitting in the airport. They postponed our flight and I like to I like to make Pastor Zach nervous so I texted him and I said hey bud uh, they just delayed my flight and if they keep delaying it I hope you got something warmed up and ready for Easter morning (laughs) and he just finished up at the park with the Easter egg honey been working all day he wasn't in a good mood and he said I don't know that if I got anything with that theme and I said seriously I said Easter, the resurrection, is all about our faith. That's what it's founded on. What in the world are you teaching those kids in youth ministry every Wednesday if you've got nothing on the resurrection? I let him in on the joke and told him it didn't matter even if I didn't get to Indiana until time to drive right to church and I was going to preach in my shorts and t-shirt, then that's what was going to happen. He didn't have to worry about it. But I want to talk to you today about the cross for just a moment, and then the borrowed tomb. Jesus went to the cross and hung there in silence and in pain between heaven and earth. He was mocked. He was uh, made fun of. He was challenged to come off. He had a thief, according to Scripture, on his right and on his left. Matthew 27, verse 44 says, In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with Him also heaped insults on him. And what I want to focus on here is what happened in Luke 23. Somewhere along the way, somewhere, somehow, something changed. If we look at going from Matthew where it says in the same way the robbers, everybody say robbers. Robbers. It's plural. There's an S on the end. Kind of like I ate bacon sandwiches for breakfast while I was on vacation. Plural. It's plural. The robbers, both robbers, 
heaped insults on him. And then look at Luke 23, verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly. If we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Something changed. Something dramatically changed for that thief. He went from hurling insults to becoming one in Luke's record as one that stopped and something snapped and something woke up in him and he said something's not right. What was it? Was it the fact that he saw Jesus patiently and quietly endure so much as an innocent man? Was it because he had heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, even though he was an innocent man? Was it because Jesus refused a narcotic drink that would take away his understanding and his pain while he would have suffered. If it would have, if it was, was he blown away by the fact that Jesus refused anything to deaden the pain for himself? I don't know what took place in this man's mind, and I don't know what was going through it, but all I know is that he went from a place of cursing to a place of asking. It's my desire for each one of us in this room. It's my desire for every person I come into contact with today. I sat at that airport for a long time last night, and I watched hundreds, if not thousands of people, walk back and forth. And in my mind, my wife sometimes looks at me, and she's like, what are you thinking? Nothing. Guys lie all the time. Sometimes it's true where we think we're not thinking something. Then later we think, hey, I really was thinking something. Multiple times I watched people go by, and all I could think was, is tomorrow... We're celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Do any of these people even know Him? Folks, we've got to go from a place of cursing to a place of asking. We've got to go from a place of of self-righteousness to a place of submission. And this thief understood his position. He understood who he was. And he stopped and he said, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, will you remember me? I don't know if this man was on the right or the left of Jesus. What matters, it doesn't matter whether he was on the right side of Jesus or the left side of Jesus. What matters is, is Jesus, the sinner. You know, you look in the scriptures and you see a lot of rights and lefts. It was the disciples that asked Father, the mother, send their mom ahead saying, Hey, can you have my son sit on the right and left of you, Jesus? And he said, that's not for me to decide. That's for the Father to decide. We see a lot of rights and lefts in scripture. We know that in the Old, excuse me, the Old Testament Israel was encouraged to follow God's law, to obey it, not swerving to the right or to the left, the scripture says. The right or the left represents our assumptions. It represents our decisions. It represents what I want rather than what God wants. God says, obey my law, not swerving to the right or to the left. Don't mix in your own decisions. Don't mix in your own assumptions. Don't mix in your own philosophies, your own desires, your own wants. But follow that which is clearly set out before you. Right or left represents our will. 
Proverbs says a couple of different places. Uh, one of the times in Proverbs 14, 12, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Do you know that our assumptions and our ideas will often lead us to the right or to the left of Christ and not really to the center? We can think we're right and end up wrong. Have you ever thought you were right and ended up wrong one time, any time in your life? Oh my goodness. That's only happened to me twice that I can remember. I'll never forget leaving Anderson, Indiana in an argument with my girlfriend, April, at the time. With a very innocent bystander in the back seat, quietly trying to act like they're not involved with any of this. And she just said, at the end of the conversation, when I was done arguing about something, she said, you're going the wrong way. No, I'm not. You're the one that never knows your directions. You're the one that's always lost all the time. I think you need to just be quiet. I know where I'm headed. Some of you right now are saying, I can't believe he talked to her like that. <laughs> Needless to say, when I saw the sign that said Fort Wayne, 14 miles or whatever it was, I probably made an illegal U-turn. And uh, it was a bad day. I thought I was right. I was sure I was right. I was so right, I ignored all the signs from the time I turned the car the direction I wanted to go to the time I saw where I was at. And all I heard very quietly from the passenger seat were two things. I told you so, and you're going to have to explain this to my father for how late I am. And it was way before there were ever cell phones. Our assumptions, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it can lead to death. There were two men, one to the right and one to the left of Jesus, that had made their assumptions with life and thought they had done what was right and it had led them down a path that was on their way to death. And here's the difference between them and Jesus. They all had the same sentence and yet they realized and recognized we are guilty of our sin, this man is innocent. You know, this is how we act when we have assumptions in Judges 17.6, it says, In those days Israel had no king, everyone did as he saw fit. In other words, this, is, this defines the book of, judgment, of, of Judges because, because it records over and over and over where Israel had no king over them, had no ruler, had no leader, and so they did whatever they wanted, and so they would always run into bondage, and then God would have to raise up somebody to deliver them again, and they would run into bondage again, and God would raise up somebody. See, our decisions of right and left, rather than obeying God, will lead us to bad places. These thieves had lived without authority in their lives. They had no God over them. They were their own king. They actually believed they could steal and get away away with it. I can imagine these individuals having made bad decision after bad decision. If they were still hanging on the cross and cursing and making fun of and challenging someone else as they hung on the cross, these were some pretty messed up dudes. Have you ever met somebody that every decision they ever made was wrong? Have you ever known somebody, don't name names, don't look at your spouse. Have you ever known somebody that that it seems like everything they've ever done is wrong? It, It makes me think of Abraham and Lot as they're in the wilderness and Abraham looks at Lot and he says, Hey, look, in Genesis 13, 9, he says, Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. 
And, God, and, and Abraham looks at Lot and says, you go do that. And we know what Lot did. Lot looked out at the lush green pastures and he was kind of selfish in his mindset. And he goes, I'm going there. Abram said, that's fine, go. And the scripture says that he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And Abram went the other direction and went to a place that was not lush and green, but instead went and built an altar to God. These were the two decisions. I don't know if Abram saw something in Lot and saw that Lot kept making bad decisions or what, saw a tendency in Lot, but he said, whatever you do, I'm going to do the opposite of it. And Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom and was captured and had to be delivered by Abram. And then after he was delivered, he didn't just pitch his tent towards Sodom. He actually went and lived in Sodom and had to be delivered again. Folks, our assumptions in our will is destructive if it's not centered on Christ. If we have an assumption and a will that goes to the right or to the left, if it goes any direction other than to follow and obey Jesus Christ, then it is wrong. Too many people live their lives like they are perpetually on the TV show, Let's Make a Deal. And I know people watch it. Because I go visit elderly people in two shows that are always on the TV. Wheel of Fortune and Let's Make a Deal. They're always on. Some people, not naming names of my father who will listen to this online later, actually record Price is Right if he knows he's going to miss it that day. Love you, Dad. People play, let's make a deal with their life. Listen, folks, you're not messing with a car. You're not going to get a zonk. We're talking eternity separation between God. We're talking heaven and hell. You can't guess. You can't just pick whatever's behind curtain number one, two, or three. Listen, it better be focused upon Christ or we're going to make a bad decision. We have to understand that whatever our decisions and our assumptions are, they're going to lead us to the right or to the left of Jesus Christ. And I've seen too many people gamble their eternity on an unproven opinion of lies and all of these other things. Most will hope that God, the God they cursed, the God they ignored, the God that they, they, they refused all their lives, they hope that someday when they stand before Him, He'll be merciful. Listen, folks, He was merciful. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for your sins and rose from the grave. If you're not going to believe on that, then you're not going to bow your knee when you stand in front of Him someday. We've got to make a decision based upon Him. And if we ignore Him, we're going to make the wrong decision. Some people say, Pastor, I don't have blind faith. I don't, I don't want to have blind faith. You know what? Neither God doesn't want you to have blind faith either. That's why He gave us His Word. That's why He sent prophets. That's why He sent Jesus Himself. That's why it's been recorded in history. That's why we're here today. You don't have to believe blindly. It's truth. He walked this earth. He died the death of a criminal and rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. 
When it comes to eternal life, we cannot make a right and left decision. The path is narrow. It is defined. There's not a lot of freedom to the right or to the left in it. It makes me think of when Israel crossed the Red Sea. In Exodus 14.22 it says, And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Listen folks, that wall of water represents death on the right and on the left. And the only way to salvation for them was on the dry ground, a narrow path through the middle of it. To turn to the right is death. To turn to the left is death. To walk straight ahead through the center on a narrow path that's dry is life. And the only way that you and I have hope is to follow and pursue Christ on this narrow path. There is a wide gate that is broad and the road that leads to it is destruction. And many enter through it. We know that to the right of Christ there's a broad path. To the left of Christ there's a broad path. But folks, the narrow path that Jesus Christ has laid out for us in Scripture is the path to follow. He says this about himself he not only talked about a narrow gate he said this too in john 10 verses 7 through 11 therefore jesus said again i tell you the truth i am the gate for the sheep all who ever came before me were thieves and robbers but the sheep did not listen to them i am the gate whoever enters through me will be saved he will come in and go out and find pasture the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy i have come that they may have life and have it to the full I am the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The gate is Jesus. Anyone else trying to enter another way is going to be a thief and a robber. What is a thief versus a robber? Is it not the same thing? You and I are not going to enter into eternity with Christ by taking a thief's path. We're not going to enter in by taking a robber's path. We're only going to enter in when we take the central path of Jesus Christ. That cross that was in the middle, that avenue of sacrifice, that blood that was shed for me, the thief, whichever, whichever one he was, on the right or the left of Christ, figured out, I'm on a path of death, I'm on a path of destruction, and I need to change. He says, when you come into your kingdom, will you remember me? See, we have to choose the path of the broken body. We've got to choose the path of the broken body. We have to look upon Him and know that He was wounded for our transgressions. We know that He was bruised for our iniquities. We know that it's by His stripes we are healed. We are saved through the atonement. For us to remain white of the cross, we are dead in our sins But when we go through the narrow gate, when we believe on Jesus, He takes up our sin for us. I spoke a couple of weeks ago about about how God made Him who had no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Choosing to stay white of the cross is choosing to remain in our sins. Secondly, and lastly this morning, the significance of the empty tomb Today we celebrate because we have peace knowing that the path that Jesus told us to take is really a path of life. He sealed it. He finished it by raising Himself from the dead. By waking up and walking out of a tomb. I told Him in the first service, man, when I was a kid, someplace you'll never find me is a cemetery at night. 
I was scared to death, man. I, I, I had a friend that had a cemetery right out the back door of her house. And I said, I don't even know how you do it, knowing that it's out there. She's like, what? I said, there's a cemetery right out your back door. She's like, so? How do you do it? And she just rolled her eyes and walked away. Jesus wasn't afraid in a cemetery. He went there willfully and he borrowed a tomb. Hey, I just need this for a few days. And he came out. Folks, listen. There is hope and there is promise in that. Listen to what the scripture says. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 16 through 22, it says, For if the dead are not raised then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as Adam, as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. What Paul's talking about there is the fact that mankind sinned and we incurred the sin and curse of death upon ourselves. We are like that thief on the right or on the left. And we have a decision to make. But we know this, that if we have believed upon Jesus, if He had went into the tomb and He would have stayed in the tomb, then all of our faith would be futile. Because he would have just been a man. But he came out. He walked out. He was seen visibly. Up to 500 at one time to see him face to face. The disciples watched him ascend into heaven. So much... They were amazed so much by this, they had to be shooed away by angels. The angel said, go. <laughs> the one that left like this, he's going to come like this too. He's going to come back again. Folks, listen to me. The empty grave seals the deal and lets us know and reminds us that everything Jesus said is true. Everything Jesus promised was real. Everything that He said about salvation, everything that He said about the resurrection is true. When that scripture says that He is the first fruits of the grave, that means we can look at the grave. People say, Pastor, what's it going to be like during the rapture of the church and the resurrection of the dead? What's it going to be like? All you have to do is look at Jesus and see what it is and what it looks like because that's what happened to Him. He's the first fruits. Will the graves be opened? Jesus' grave was opened. Will our clothes be left left behind? Jesus' clothes were left behind. Are we going to ascend up into the air? Jesus ascended up into the air. Folks, the scripture says we're going to be changed in a twinkling of an eye. You can blink really fast, can't you? We used to have a bus driver that would do this all the time. He'd blink. We'd sit in the back of the bus and I'd look up in the mirror and he'd be going. And after a while, you, you kind of catch yourself. In a twinkling of an eye, transformed and changed. Folks, listen, you don't have to fear death anymore. You don't have to be afraid. Why? Because the grave is empty. I don't like to think about death. Nobody likes to think about death. 
I'm claustrophobic. I don't think about, well, I, you know, I think I want to be put in a coffin and put in the ground. That sounds great. Knowing that I'm not going to be there, still sometimes you go, eh. But you know what? Your grave and my grave someday, if it should the Lord tarry and each one of us go by way of the grave, it's just a borrowed tomb. It's going to be empty. Here's the sad thing. Scripture makes clear, Jesus says this, he says that all are going to be raised from the dead. Some are going to be raised to life and some are going to be raised to destruction. In other words, those who choose the path of the cross, who follow and believe upon Jesus Christ, are going to be raised to life eternal. Those who refuse, who choose a path right of the cross or a path left of the cross, who refuse to submit themselves to Christ, are going to be raised and resurrected to death. Folks, there's really only two choices. We like to, here in America, try to weigh our options and find other choices, but there's only two. We either believe on Christ or we don't believe on Christ. We choose eternity with Christ for ourselves, or we choose eternal separation from Christ for ourselves. Those are our two choices. And today, we celebrate the resurrection because we know we have hope in Him. We know that we're not following the philosophies of of somebody that's still in the ground. Folks, for you that are believers, don't don't be afraid. I want to tell you, there are people in our culture today that will exalt every philosopher of every age and and just boost those up, up above Jesus Christ, above the Scripture, above everything else, and talk about how great all these great thinkers and philosophers are. But the last time I checked is every single one of them are still in the grave. There's only one that's empty. And people like to say that his book is irrelevant. They like to say the things he said and the things that he did are irrelevant, that they are time-constrained, that it doesn't affect us today, that it's outdated, that it's overtaught, that it's misunderstood, all of these things. But folks, listen, I'm going to listen to and search out and seek out that which was said by the one who left his own grave. And I encourage you to do the same. Make your decision upon Christ, not based, up off, not based upon what this world has said to you. Our decision has to go through a body that's been broken, and it has to go through an empty tomb. Jesus Christ laid down His life for you, for your sins, becoming sin for you. He goes to the tomb, to the grave, to carry the death that you deserved, and yet He overcame it, And finished it with an empty tomb. If those two things aren't together, we're still lost in our sins. But because they are together, there is hope. And for those of you who have believed upon Jesus Christ for your salvation, you can rejoice today. When we sang, God's not dead, he's surely alive, there had to be something burning inside of you. When you sang, alive, there had to be something burning inside of you. When you talked about the resurrection, when you sang about the resurrection forever, He is glorified forever, something inside of you had to be burning. For those of you who don't know Him, I challenge you to get off of the path that's going to the right and to the left. Stop trying to make your own way because we can think we're right. The way seems right sometimes but it can lead to death. I challenge you and I beg you, as a man who has done this himself, bow your knee to the Savior. 
So I have Miranda or somebody come to the piano. I'm going to close this morning. I get a lot of phone calls as a pastor. A lot of people contact me for a lot of different things. People in our church, people outside of our church. Had a phone call recently, uh, well, it's within the last month, from someone outside of our church. Someone they knew had committed suicide. And they said, Pastor, what do I make of this? What, is there any hope at all for this person? And you know, those are difficult conversations to have. And it's not anything you want to take lightly. It's never anything that you want to be flipping about or just come off with some kind of a random answer. And, and I talked with this person for a little bit and explained some things biblically to them. And uh, I think what made me the saddest out of all of it was this person's hope was that the one who had killed themselves would have an opportunity to stand before Jesus and, and repent. Scripture says this, folks, is appointed once for man to die. And after this is the judgment. And when the judgment comes, that's when the sentence is passed. And that's, that's a hard truth and a hard reality for a person who's lost a loved one in such a manner to really grasp and understand. But today I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm talking about you. If you're, if, if you're thinking that someday you can live however you want and someday after, after life is over you're going to stand before Christ and be able to make some kind of amends with Him, you're, you're using wide right thinking. You're missing it. You're going with weird philosophies to the left. You're not. Scripture says today is the day of salvation. This moment, the drawing of the Spirit in your life to say today, I need to make a change. And you say, Pastor, I can't really associate with this thief on the cross because that was a pretty extreme situation. You know what? Your situation is no different than his. We are all dead in our sins. We're not dying in our sins. We are dead in our sins without Christ. But here's the cool thing. The God we serve is a God of grace and a God of mercy and a God that that is just. And He is not willing that any one of us should perish, but that all would come to the knowledge, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the will of our God. You want to know something cool about God? Is the fact that this thief could have been crucified on another day. He could have went to the cross on another day. But by God's mercy, He allowed him to watch Jesus drag His cross, whether He was before Him or behind Him. It didn't matter, but He knew that this innocent man behind Him was dragging His cross. And He knew that there was this going on in His mind. He got to witness and testify and see the love of the Father and the sacrifice for His sins and give Him one last opportunity to stop and change His path. One chose, one did not. One had a promise to be with Christ in paradise, one did not. 
I do not know where that thief was buried. But one day, there will be an empty tomb there. Those bodies and that ash and that sand and dirt and all those elements are going to come back together. And he's going to be resurrected with you and I. And he's going to stand before Jesus whole. Because he made the decision. For you, my friend, God's gracious, he's merciful, and he's patient. And he brought you here today. He could have made your car break down and you not get here this morning. He could have had you connected with something else going on and you wouldn't be here today to hear this message. But the message is being spoken because of his love and his mercy towards you. Don't wait till you see him face to face. Make that decision now. Will you bow your head with me this morning? Father, I just pray over this congregation of people. Lord, many of them here I know are believers, God. There may be one or two, I don't know. Father, you know the hearts of men. I don't know the hearts of men. I look across the crowd, Lord, and I see good people. I see good people. Good people raised up here in the Midwest with good work ethics, good morals. People who are kind, generous, helpful. People who help their neighbors and and, and love kids and, and love one another, Lord. I see good people in this room. But Father, goodness isn't what saves us. Works don't save us. Only believing upon you is going to change our path. And if there be one or two, Lord, or more here today that need to change that path, who need to go through the narrow gate, I pray, Father, you would draw them in. It says your sheep will know your voice. And if you're here today and you're hearing the drawing of the Spirit, that's the the Savior calling you, the Good Shepherd pulling you toward Him. That's you today. You say, Pastor, I need to get off the wide, wide path and I need to get through the narrow path and I need to go through the narrow gate of Jesus Christ and I need to put my hope in Him for salvation. If that's you this morning, will you just simply by an uplifted hand, I want to pray over you today. You say, I'm ready to make that decision today, Pastor. I'm ready. I'm ready. Jesus, Lord of my life. You may say, Pastor, I'm not quite ready to make that decision, but I'm interested. I want to know more. I want to know more. If that's you, just lift up a hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. Say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there yet, but I want to. Amen. Look at me this morning, if you will. As a child of God, as a redeemed believer of God, you are loved. You are loved. And His hand is on your life. We serve a risen Savior. He's alive in you. And He's going to move you closer to Him day by day. And I'm excited that He's going to do that in your life.